three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Hunter here. Hope you're all having a safe and great uh, into your weekend so far. So, uh, had some personal things happen that I need to just take a day or two break from. So we we are a, f- uh, a couple like one. I think we're one review behind for twenty five for uh, the real holiday series. So got a new one here for you for a review for the Santa Claus de, which is. Uh, which is uh, directed by, or was directed by Michael Lembeck, who I remember saying, huh, I know that name. So he went ahead and was a director on The Bling Ring, which I absolutely love. He was the director on The Tooth, uh, on the Tooth Fairy, which is, you know, un- unfortunate. Uh, he recently did, four years ago, A, Nuck, uh, a-, a Nutcracker Christmas, which... Um, I don't know if that was a TV movie. Oh, yep, it was a straight-to-TV movie. Well, shit. Um, so, he hasn't done anything in a while, but this film, uh, The Santa Claus 2, takes place, which is pretty crazy, eight years after the original. The original came out in 94. This one came out in 02. And when you think about just the amount of time it took to get this done, it was a little surprising looking into that. I was like, wow, okay. And this one uh, did roughly what the uh, uh, what the first one did. This, this one did 139 million, uh, 139 million dollars. So, uh, kind of a trip when you just kind of think about the length and time between both films. So, okay, it did just under what the first film did. Uh, 139 million, sorry, 139 million for the second one, 145 million for the original. So, still, that's a I'm sure it's a hell of a, that's a very good uh, turnout for them. But but the movie picks back up, or, or the movie picks up with uh, Scott. What I do appreciate about this as a sequel is that since we've got, you know, the introduction and him as Santa out of the way, we know we can kind of let loose and kind of go a little insane with it. So he is knee deep in the role. He has accepted the fact he's Santa. He loves doing it. Uh, one of us, a, a, a stat is thrown up that kids around the world are eighty six percent happier uh, since he's become Santa. Um, Tim Allen's really doing a great job uh, leaning into the role and really having fun with this. And I will say for myself, I really appreciate the fact that he was having fun, and it comes across on screen. Maybe even more so than in the first one, just because you don't have to deal with him being a dick uh, for the first 45 minutes. So I actually, you know, weirdly like this one more. There's a scene pretty early on where him and the elves are playing football and he ends up getting the ball and they all tackle him down. I was like, this is, I mean, this isn't, you know, reinventing the wheel. It's simple stuff, but it's simple stuff that I found incredibly effective. Uh, This film too, uh, the big crux of the film is that how are you a great dad, but how, like, how, how are you a great dad to your son, Charlie, uh, played once again here by uh, Eric Lloyd, 
how how do you stay a great dad to him but be a great Santa at the same time? And it's an it's a genuinely kind of huh. This would kind of get in the way of you. <laughs> Kind of get in the right way of you, you know, being a decent, uh, being a decent dad. And I actually kind of appreciated that little change up there. But he, he's really trying to balance things the best he can. Um, the elves all love him and everything. And so essentially what happens is that uh, Bernard, played once again by David uh, uh, Krumholtz, he teams up with uh, Spencer Breslin, uh, I'm assuming, who's re- related to uh, Abigail Breslin. Uh, you know Spencer Breslin from uh, The Kid. That's probably what you know him from the most. Uh, I, I've, yeah, The Kid was actually pretty good. I like The Kid. Um, uh, the oh, oh, yeah, Princess Diaries 2. Uh, and then uh, Santa Claus 3. So he's been in some stuff, but I think my my issue and i do have a couple issues with this film one of them in particular is that he really seems to just kind of show up uh he's uh curtis is is isn't his name he kind of just seems to show up and they don't really acknowledge that there was ever a a number two elf it really seemed like bernard was kind of handling everything and everyone else you know kind of reported to him so it was a little bit of a trip to have that curveball thrown at me and not have it addressed i was kind of sitting there going well i don't really love that so since so charlie ends up on the naughty list because he goes ahead and vandalizes his school uh all to impress a girl which i just and i'm gonna sound so old here but i know for me as i'm watching this i'm like really you're gonna vandalize something for a girl that's that's where we are it just seems very just kind of eh but I don't know. I thought that was I, I, the the one of the big issues with this movie is that he goes through all this for a girl. He vandalizes or attempts to vandalize the school and gets caught by the principal, by the way. And this is only less than 10 minutes in. But he gets caught by the principal who is played um, who's played by uh, Liliana Mummy. Um, I, ha- I didn't really recognize her, but she has a. She has been a few things. She's in a she was in Shiba, Oh, she was in Super Brother Dozen movies. That's right. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, she was on a uh, she was on uh, she was on Scrubs at a point. So yeah, she's done she's done some stuff. But what I love about Lucy is that she's kind of just one of those take no bullshit adults. She knows that Charlie is using the fact that he's a kid, trying to kind of go like, oh, you know, I didn't know this is wrong and graffitiing your school is clearly wrong let alone for this girl who the movie flat out does not acknowledge or or wrap up the loop with him impressing this girl or or trying to impress this girl by doing dumb shit and vandalist shit they never come back to that there's just a point where it gets dropped about halfway through and it's more about charlie having this big secret that he can't tell anyone that his dad is Santa and that everyone is talking about, you know, their parents having great jobs and he can't talk about what his dad does. And I'll be honest, I went, really? I went, that's the best? No. Like, that really just made me go, fuck off. Like, I, I, no, that is not an excuse for his kid to be acting a fool. And the movie just kind of accepts that it is. Like, there's this point where he goes ahead and talks to uh to you know scott santa his dad 
and just lays that out for him going, you know, my parents, like these other kids, like they can talk about what their parents do. And why can't I talk about you? And oh my God, you're Santa. And it's just, it's one of those things I went, I think this is such a bullshit cop out. It really did bother me. I was sitting here going, I, I don't like that at all. It actually would have made more sense of him wanting to impress this girl and, and them following that through to its conclusion. Because in a, what I think is actually a pretty clever uh, twist of fate, the way they justify the sequel here is that basically uh, um, uh, Spencer Breslin's uh, number, uh, Curtis he discovers a additional clause, the Mrs. Clause, as Bernard says, that Santa has to be married or he essentially loses his, uh, uh, what is the term they use? A desantization, I believe is the term they use, where he starts to actually lose weight and his beard starts to go away. And I went, you know, that's actually, that's actually decent. Because, I mean, let's think about it. Like, when you think about Santa, you think about Mrs. Claus. When you think about Mrs. Claus, you think about Santa. It would make sense for them to have, I mean, as much sense as, you know, this shit can make, but it would make sense for them to actually have a additional clause in here. I remember actually thinking, okay, that actually doesn't bother me in the logic. But the big problem is that there's that clear chance to tie the parallels between Charlie and scott santa claus and and they don't do it like they, they they never even if there was a movie for them to have a heart to heart about their women troubles this was it and i will say for myself seeing scott he has this uh first date um uh he has this first date with this woman because he wants to he has to go ahead and get married so he gets some help from neil and Laura, played once again by Judge Reinhold and uh, Wendy Crewson. I love John, Judge Reinhold, uh, Reinhold in this because unlike in the first movie, everyone kind of acknowledges that Neil's a douche. And Neil's kind of like, well, you know, I'm a psychiatrist. I have, you know, I have a degree. Fuck all y'all. Like, I actually really appreciate that they just le leaned into the joke. Because even though Scott is a way nicer man, he's clearly happier uh, when he's talking to Neil Moore, he still doesn't like Neil and he still gives him shit. And I really appreciate that. I, I remember thinking, okay, you're staying, you're staying consistent. I, I, I really appreciate that shit. But what I love is that Neil helps him get Scott, get dressed. So he gives him one of these, those sweaters that he was wearing in the first movie. And he even says, I look like a, like, like a piece of like a, like limeade or something like that. And, and he doesn't have a car because of course he's coming from the North pole. So Laura goes, Oh, take my, take the minivan. I just had it washed. And he, uh, uh, Scott even remarks, Oh, a minivan and the sweater. I'll be back in eight minutes. And, <laughs> and I appreciate that to the little humor, the little adult humor in there about, about how these things would go. I actually got a really hard laugh out of that. One of my favorite scenes in the whole film is that first date he has, which is with this woman who's played by Molly Shannon. I think Molly Shannon really doesn't get enough credit at all for how funny she is. I, I've been rewatching uh, Will and Grace because I love that fucking show and her character Val on there. She is just such a constant disturbing presence that whenever she shows up, I always get excited. I'm like, yes, more, more Molly Shannon. And while Superstar is a, bad 
terrible movie. Uh, was it uh, was it uh, Mary, uh, Mary Mary Catherine Gallagher? She that character is so incredible. I I love I love Molly Shannon, but she, uh, her and Scott have this very very uncomfortable date. It's going really well at first, or kind of being a little flirty and just kind of talking about what they do. And I do appreciate that Scott has to dance around. He can't come out and just say, you know, I'm Santa Claus. He dances around and goes like, oh, yeah, I'm in the toy business. And I have people who uh, work with me to help create designs and things that I bring to life. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so interesting. Uh, that's not what she sounds like at all. But <laughs> but it's 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 fun to see him kind of pull these ways to go, you know, to talk about him being Santa, but not being Santa. And. That's when Molly Shan just has this complete breakdown, just starts dancing and singing in this restaurant. And everyone's just staring at her. And it's such a beautifully cringeworthy scene. It, it's it's borderline. If there was more cussing in it, it'd be borderline. It's always sunny. Like, it's such an uncomfortable. Oh, God, I don't want to be here right now moment. But I love it so much and how uncomfortable it is. And I I, oh God, I love I love that scene. I love that scene so much but it makes me incredibly happy that there's a moment in this movie that is this uh, that is this cringeworthy now while santa is down uh down uh back on uh, on earth looking for a uh, look uh, or back in his town hometown looking for uh a woman to marry back at the north pole uh curtis went ahead and basically convinced uh Santa and uh, Bernard to go ahead and clone Santa, and so Santa ends up ends up with this really plastic looking uh, clone of himself that is that is very dumb, and it doesn't have all of he's he's very robotic. That's the best way I can put it. He doesn't have all Scott's mannerisms clearly. He doesn't have Scott's uh, charm when he does want to turn it on, but. This this evil version of Scott of, of Santa, I found it so incredibly wonderful because it's so creepy. It's basically the original Frankendoodle episode of SpongeBob because Scott, you know, is charming. He's nice. He clearly loves loves the elves and everyone who works at the North Pole and loves Christmas and loves bringing joy to kids. This new Santa is all about destruction and following every letter in the Santa handbook to a T. And it wants to send every kid in the world coal because they do little things like, oh, I'm going to, you know, poke my little brother or I'm going to, you know, take, you know, steal their doll for a day or whatever. Like these these things that aren't great, admittedly, but don't warrant you being on the fucking naughty list. Uh, this new Santa, this imposter Santa, the Santa clone is really quite creepy. And there's a point where he, uh, the, the clone, ends up putting on a, <laughs> ends up putting on like this dictator's uniform. I went, oh wow, we're getting a little close to Nazi here with this, <laughs> with this evil Santa. That's kind of, that's kind of intense. But I really appreciate how dark this movie actually got at points. There. Seeing Imposter Santa wrangle up all the elves and everyone and lock them away, like in prison, I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty fucked up." But I actually appreciate that the film is leaning into it so much. 
this was made in O O two, and even by O two standards, the CGI is just really bad. It's just not good. I'm sorry. I know stuff doesn't always have to age super well, but for O two, it this should look better. There is this one rogue reindeer who can't fly straight, and you know is is like making these noises when it flies, and so of course you know they're gonna come back to that. And the there is this plot element that I remember thinking, oh well, the well the snow globe from the first film is gonna come into play here, and and, and of course it does, but. The thing for me that I actually like the most about this, outside of it being very Christmassy, even me, maybe even more so than the first one, uh, George S. Clinton uh, did a uh, was the composer on this, uh, did the score, and he did the score for Austin Powers one and two, so Austin Powers original and Spy Who Shacked Me, uh, for Wild Things and Mortal Kombat, just to name a few films, and this film. I love the da, 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 like these very little Christmassy little notes that are thrown in for the score. I thought he did a really good job of setting the tone and making this feel more more Christmassy and maybe more epic at points than it actually should feel. Uh, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed uh, that aspect of this. One thing I really do love about this movie, and it's actually my favorite part of the film, Tim Allen. Uh, Tim Allen Scott and I apologize. It's a uh, uh, Elizabeth Mitchell. I said I said uh, Liliana Mummy earlier. It's a uh, Elizabeth Mitchell who plays Carol. She's the principal at Charlie's school, the one that you know he hates because she has the nerve to discipline him. Uh, she she is so good in this. Her and Tim Allen have a genuine chemistry, and so when he starts kind of trying to lay on the charm. And I appreciate the fact he even says, I don't really know how to do this. Like he's really just kind of lost on how to make this, make this work. But you know, he, so oh, I didn't mention this. So Scott has this watch because he is Santa. So he has, you know, the, the power to, the, you know, ma magic powers essentially, which I mean, they don't really establish in the first movie. I don't recall, but whatever i guess but i mean they kind of do but scott has this watch that uh bernard created for him and so scott is really pulling out all the stops trying to go ahead and you know show carol that he could be a good partner and you know needs to be a good husband they end up going to this uh this uh, holiday party she's having at her work or for the school uh, for the school faculty and he goes ahead and conjures up magic so that reindeer dry, uh, are dragging a uh, are dragging a sleigh uh, through the snowy uh, through the snowy uh, terrain that they're in, so that they're able to go ahead and sit back and drink hot cocoa and talk. And I just thought that was really beautiful and really sweet, and it was really romantic. At the party itself, he uses more of his magic because everyone is standing around looking downtrodden looking very adult like we're not going to go ahead and do this or interact or anything i love the way that scott is able to because you know he knows all of them because he's you know fucking santa he goes ahead and gives them all gifts that they wanted when they were kids like i thought it was the, the gift essentially that they didn't you know that they didn't get or something that they did get but you know forgot about i i thought it was really sweet that that 
that scene in particular was really well done and really made me go, oh, okay. Uh, the biggest laugh I got out of this movie, as I get to my final thoughts, when Santa, uh, when the evil Santa, Santa's running the uh, the North Pole, he goes ahead and uses this machine to create duplicate uh, toy soldiers. And these toy soldiers look really fucking creepy. They look really, they look, they look emotionless. That's the thing that's creepy. They just smile, but they just look so dead behind the eyes. It's really quite terrifying. But I love the way, I absolutely love the way he uses um, them to go ahead and basically hold everyone hostage. It's a very grim, uh, it's a very grim concept. And very, and the scenes are very grim that they actually use the toy soldiers in. I actually really appreciate the way that it feels like there's some stakes to this. The last bit at the North Pole is rather silly. I'll be the first to admit uh, it's it's a Tim Allen versus Tim Allen fist fight to the death. I it was something I did go back and sit back and go, OK, guys. But at the same time, I laughed. I cheered. I thought overall this is still quite a bit of fun my biggest complaint again being the fact that charlie was going through all this and acting like a dick to impress this girl and then he doesn't even get the girl at the end nor do they actually say what happened with their relationship it just is dropped because shut up that's why uh most of the people um i, I think her name is uh, uh julie uh, or judy the uh the the elf that says uh seeing isn't believing believing is seeing in the first movie I thought it was incredibly well done. I love the scene where Scott tries to tell Carol that he's Santa Claus. And she talks about this very traumatic experience she had when she stopped believing in Santa. And it's a pretty sad story when she tells it. I kind of was sitting there going, wow, okay, that's a little more emotion than I was expecting in this. Uh, there, there is a clever worker on, I thought, with, I, I can't remember who plays... Um, um, I cannot remember who plays, um, Cupid cause there, uh, or the tooth fairy. Cause there's, there's a, there's a little mini group of uh, mother nature, the tooth fairy, uh, Cupid. And then I, I, I can't think of the, I can't think of the last, uh, the last member of the, uh, of the, of the, of the group there, but there's this, uh, Sandman. There we go. But what I really did like about this is just I, I love the way that they went ahead and had that conversation feel heavy because, you know, if you're trying to tell someone you're Santa Claus, it's going to sound fucking insane. And I I appreciate that they address that. Uh, I, but as far as my final grade, I did, while I liked parts of this more in the first one, overall, I still like the first one more just because the complaints I have in this film are are heavier than they were in the first one i think part of it too is because you know this is your second time out you should know better you should have fixed these things that you know i had issues with so i yeah so while it's not perfect it's still an absolute blast i would have paid full price as a kid to see this so i'd give it a solid a minus i'm gonna give it an a minus because i don't like it Quite as much as the first one, but it's still well worth your time. It's on Disney Plus. I would again, I would easily pay for this, no problem. But everyone, what did you think of Santa Claus too? Let us know what you thought in the comments. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook at the Real Pineapple, and don't forget to like our new gaming page, Real Games, uh, Real Pine, uh, sorry, Real Pineapple Games, 
uh, on Facebook as well. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at jhunterrealpineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at nearmanthefirst. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, TuneUp, and Amazon Music at The Real Pineapple. Thank you so much for listening. We'll have more Real Holiday reviews head, uh, coming your way soon, as well as reviews coming up for Wonder Woman 84 and Soul. Those will be live on Christmas Day. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. Wear a mask, and we'll talk to you soon.